This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 431, Cooking with Gas. Afternoon. It's Friday. It's time to record my favorite podcast of every week, and that's my podcast with my friends, Andy Piper and Michael Martin. So, guys, I hope it's your favorite podcast too. Is it the only one you do every week? It's the only one that I favor every week. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, how are you? I'm well, thanks, friends. Yes, uh, it's uh, great to be great to be here. Lots to talk about as usual. Oh. Well, we, we've got an electric set of links here and stories to tell all of you, our listening audience this week. So um, I'm going to jump in with a little teaser. We've got, I think we got two teasers this week, which will be fun. Uh, my first quick teaser for us is I'll be a speaker at an upcoming healthcare conference from the North Carolina Chamber. That's in a couple of weeks, September 14th. Um, I'm part of a... Um, well, I, I'm probably not the distinguished part of this distinguished panel, but I'm part of a panel that's going to be talking about artificial intelligence in healthcare and what are some of the intriguing uh, concerns, opportunities, and more, and how is North Carolina leading the way in this regard. So um, if you get a chance to stop on by and you're in North Carolina, there's a, there's an opportunity for you to join. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Um, nice to do this ahead of time, too, as opposed to, hey, I just did it last week and you missed it so there you are but now that we're through with um with announcements for the week we've got all kinds of good fun to share with you uh starting with an idea about how do you cook with gas or cook with ai or or cook even more and michael i think this came from your um findings and on your radar from samsung and some of the new things they're doing in the kitchen well, we've, we've talked about the smart fridge for a very long time. What I find interesting about this article, and actually not the same old, same old that we talked about with smart fridges, is the, the idea of the ecosystem play that mm -hmm. Samsung is doing with this, right? So, so they've invented fridges with cameras in it that know what's in your fridge. They've invented fridges. Well, I won't say they've put, I should say. Fridges with uh, displays on the front to tell you things. They've tried to push recipes. Uh, and uh, with this, they're actually merging all of that together in a way that they can try to get you to become more invested in that technology, right? Because everything else was kind of gimmicky. And yes, this is gimmicky too, but as people become more and more comfortable with generative AI and large language models, uh, you know, having something that can take your data and turn it into something that might understand what your favorites are, what your uh, preferences are, what your allergies may be, it's interesting. I, I have thoughts as well, and they're in the same vein as what you were just ra beginning to raise, my, Michael, around large language models. So first of all, I want to say that the, the Verge article is hopelessly mistaken when it refers to 
Samsung trying to make the connected kitchen since 2016. Perhaps in the context of connect yeah. connected kitchen, that's true. But I know that they had a fridge that had a Twitter app on it in 2014. I've just found a, a, an article on Adweek about it. And I remember when the API that supported that fridge <laughs> was shut down. Well, didn't didn't we? There was a specific. Did, didn't we talk about Rue's website that he wrote uh, like forever yeah, ago that went back to the 90s? Very likely, very likely. <laughs> but so for, so for this particular thing, though, I mean, we've got a smart dishwasher and uh, it's on the Wi-Fi. And so it's obviously an attack vector to take over our smart home. Um, <laughs> it tries to, it wants me to register so that I can get some free dishwasher tablets, uh, which I still haven't done. I don't want the free dishwasher tablets because then, then they're going to keep trying to send me more dishwasher tablets on a subscription. Um, I do use it for scheduling uh, to say switch it on in two hours time when the energy rate goes down in, in after I've gone to, gone to bed. So I do use that aspect of it. But in other respects, um, it's extremely annoying. For example, that same app that lets me do that, that scheduling is irritating because it then sends me a notification in the morning telling me my dishwasher's finished. Well, yeah, great. Thanks for that. I don't really need you to tell me that when I wake up in the morning. On, well, as a, well, but, but coming back. Well, actually, shouldn't it have told you overnight if it didn't yeah, finish? Yeah. Oh, by the way, the kitchen's flooding. <laughs> you should wake up and go fix that. Um, yeah. No, no. Back to the, the larger language model thing, though. We used ChatGPT just today to say, look, we've got this box of vegetables and meat from our farm supplies place that delivers our food. And uh, what could we do with that? give us three meals and it did a really great job at that and if they go down a road of the preference and the learning and all of those things rather than just making it generic and just doing it one time or just taking a look and seeing what's there and saying oh here's some things you could do it needs to be highly optimized for i think that personal preference for example the chat gpt initial run today offered us a curry. I'm not a big fan of curries personally. So the first thing we did was say, no, get rid of the curry options. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, th th those kinds of things, um, if those are become built in, and I think personalization is still something that is hopelessly poor, in my opinion, in terms of how things learn and adapt to your behavior, even though all the data is there and it's available. I think it's really great in advertising um you know getting that that same thing uh, suggested to you that you just bought from amazon again because you just bought one so you must like it for example a smart fridge yeah. wouldn't you like a second <laughs> smart fridge absolutely of course. you should have three and then that from that i should better. buy another one and from that i should buy another one and they tell two friends and so on and so yeah, I mean, the article does do a number of things that we've seen in the past, too, about, hey, I've got these ingredients, what can I make from it, right? And and the notion of having a camera in the fridge or near your fridge or as part of your connected home to be able to do that is intri intriguing. Um, I thought it was interesting that one app could, or one, one appliance basically could talk to another that says, hey, you've now decided to make uh, perhaps the curry or something else. And now it's telling the stove or the oven what to set in terms of temperature, timers, and a whole range of other things. So the, the author of the article says that could be intriguing. I think there could be a further intriguing thing if you start coupling this with meal replacement 
services. So the, some in the U.S. are um, items like uh, Blue Apron, HelloFresh. There's a variety of them out there that you have subscription where you're making a, a homemade meal. You know, you can hear my air quotes there, um, and it would be able to say what's in your fridge, what's the expiration date, what should you eat this week sooner versus later, and what you might then be able to use your health set of appliances. Maybe not your dishwasher. I'm not sure what the use case is there, but to say, hey, this is the way to make uh, that uh, that lovely uh, grilled salmon uh, with your Samsung oven and how to broil it at the appropriate temperature for the right time. Forgive me for being cynical, but this uh, this story sort of talks to everything being great next year when they introduce the next <laughs> version of AI. And I just kind of think that's, you know, maybe let's wait and see. I also find it interesting that they've mm. version two. Yeah, I also think that it's interesting that they've scoped the smart home to the smart kitchen. I think that actually is a a relevant thing, right? I mean, we've got a bunch of devices in that room that would be valuable for them to be able to share data and information between them, uh, rather than sort of saying seeing the whole home as a computer, which ultimately it could be, should be, might be. Um, you've still got a specialized well, piece I of the functionality. Whole Earth was there. a computer. Yeah, and we're just little, uh, are we ants or bites or bits or I don't know. But mice. I guess we're bits trying to find out the meaning of life, universe, and everything. Mice. Mice. It's all about the mice. Well, um, so let, let's leave the kitchen, shall we, and, and retire perhaps to the smoking room where we can listen to some albums oh. and maybe not just an album, uh, you know, uh, even one at a time, but maybe one album after another. Um, I, I'm going to flip back over to you, Michael, because I think you were probably the one who found this to begin with. And tell us a little bit about long play, what your your thoughts are on this. Yeah, this capability. this is interesting and kind of intriguing. So Jason Snell over at Six Colors um, uh, posted a blog post on a new version of an app called Long Play, and the basic idea of this app is that you can pretty much play albums, right? The entire album. You you can't put playlists together of individual songs from different albums. If you hit play on an album, it plays the album. Uh, it will build playlists of albums. Uh, and as someone who I'm a completist, right? When it comes to musical acts that I enjoy and, and I like to buy the albums. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a great concept for forcing you to listen to the, the entire list of songs in the sequence that the artist put them together. That's another key thing. And if uh, if you were ever in radio or, or paid attention to the history of radio, you had the uh, uh, album-oriented rock format from the 70s and 80s, right? Which uh, was all about long songs with stories, etc. Um, and I thought it was an intriguing app. Um, it doesn't just use your iTunes library or just use Apple Music or just use some other... Thing. It allows you to go across those formats, oh, right. as I understand it, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, at the same time, as I looked at the app, um, my gut reaction was, I, I do this anyway with my music library as it is, right? So it's one of these niche products that makes sense in some context, but not to me. You know, I think that you might, I'm not going to say that you're an outlier there, but I think that you may be assuming that other people behave the same way to some extent, right? So I certainly, no. I mean, I do enjoy listening to albums and there are specific albums that are intentionally, I mean, arguably all albums are 
designed to be albums, right? But there's a few that are, you know, you kind of need to listen to the whole thing beginning to end. A couple of the Queens, right? Rock operas are uh, things in my mind in that context. But um, I, I actually, now that I'm looking more deeply at this, we joked about it as we chatted during the week, the three of us, but I'm uh, enjoying the limitation here that, yeah, you, you can't play a single track, you play an album. And uh, I also love the idea of, you know, the album art and, and, and the context of the album being front and yeah. center. I love the fact they've added CarPlay support. We've spoken about me being frustrated where things like this lack CarPlay support in the past. I, he's talking about Vision Pro and Apple TV and other things. I'm going to give this a try, I think. Um, I, I had only sort of briefly glanced at it earlier in the week and I quite like the intentional design and limitation of this. Oh, yeah, I, I love it too. I, I, I feel like it's a great way to return to the roots and really understand your music selections. I feel like because my CD collection is in a box in the attic and no longer at my mm -hmm. ready disposal, I lose yeah. An ability to find what it is that I want to listen to end to end, and this will be a way to be a little more intentional about it. Yeah, and we've talked about when I converted my music collection, I actually made sure that the album art on every album was from the album that I have, right? The physical album. I will just challenge you, Michael, though, that you said that you didn't think it was it required it to be iTunes. It is. It does require. Apparently, the Apple TV port is not straightforward, according to the. Um, feature request because it relies on the iTunes library on iOS and Mac OS, but Apple TV doesn't have that evidently. I mean, it has access to your iTunes library, but I guess it doesn't have access to the API or the, the, the library hooks or whatever. Well, you, you have access to the Apple music library right, on, on the right, TV, right? right? Uh, and, and so that's the, the difference. It does support multiple right. things. You can use your iTunes library or your Apple oh, music library or interesting. Well, yeah, I'd be curious to see how he takes that. So it yeah. reminds me, too, of one other thing that I'll mention just briefly, because I don't know if either of you saw it. Have you seen the Audio-Technica Audio Sound Burger? Th this is a portable vinyl. Player. Oh, yeah. So oh, a, we've seen a couple of yeah. those. Yeah, they're, 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 yeah. They're, you stick a record in it, and it spins the record around a a little yeah, box exactly basically. exactly it's yeah. it's really cool we'll make sure i think that we, we had one in the show that notes that we didn't get to a couple of weeks ago i think so may, may have been it may even have been this one too so um yeah i just it, it hit my <laughs> hit my speed uh speeds in feeds again just recently now um cool. talking about finding things that are lost um there was an article from uh about Yahoo providing an intriguing artificial intelligence mechanism to go and surface something in particular. And they're claiming, hey, it's differentiator for them. Um, you know how you get those uh, those coupons or those gift cards and you get you know $20 back or whatever, and they're in an email because it's a digital gift card and then you kind of forget about it and then you don't use it and eventually they expire well they've come up with an innovation here to allow you to find those again and i guess to use them which is kind of a nifty thing i don't know that i've heard of that before in another email solution but it seems like a, a nifty I, capability it, 
didn't didn't Gmail have a um, section on their client that was not ads, but there were different groupings, and one yeah. of them I think this would yeah maybe fit into. maybe um, yeah that's I guess changed over time because I used Gmail and I don't remember where that one might live now, but maybe it was the part of Inbox, which was their alternative to Gmail that they killed after that was a while. It, anyway. This is funny. I, I had a um, Google store credit, which was going to expire uh, next month. So, ah. but I really didn't want very much from the. I mean, I wasn't enough to buy, you know, a Pixel phone <laughs> or something high end. So, in the end, um, <laughs> I ended up getting the, the, a new uh, Chromecast with Google TV because the first gen one is out of out of support, although it works just fine. Um, and I had the credit to get one for, you know, no no bucks. So um, I don't, it's still a shrink wrap, but it will, I'm sure, take it on holiday at some stage and plug it into a hotel TV to cast content. But anyway, you know, you know, I've learned from hotel from hotels that that behavior where people unplug yeah. an element and plug something else into the HDMI port is a cause of a lot of concern. And because a, lo- a number of people do that to be able to watch and stream what they want. And then the front desk is all these phone calls like my TV is not working. And that's because people have unplugged and plugged things. Oh, well. So random, random uh, learning. They there. should just put a dongle there to let you plug yeah, into. Exactly. They know you're going to do exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's go metaverse for a second. And we have a um, posting about a Second Life senior product manager. But Second Life. Um, that's is looking. It, is Second Life still yeah. around? What's that? What is this? That uh, apparently, apparently, and there's there's aspirations to grow into the millions, huh? Wow, it's pretty cool. I mean, they they call out the fact that it's the original metaverse, uh, and. Yeah, I I think we've seen New World Notes pop up a few times over the past month or two in our show notes. Uh, so it's, mm-hmm. it does feel like a few things uh, that are starting to sort of come back into focus. And yes, yeah, it's, it's nice to see what we, we all started out on and sort of met, sort of working with and playing around with, uh, still rocking on and uh, potentially them uh, doing something new. I mean, as usual... Um, New World Notes kind of throws in some other ideas, like why not just create more instances of Second Life that interoperate? Hmm, what would that be like? <laughs> Wonder who had that idea in the first place. But uh... well, that would be an intriguing thing. Now, I hadn't spent much time looking at the mobile version of Second Life and what that might do, and that how that might now bring more people in. Have either of you spent any time investigating that? Uh, no, I didn't even realize they are had you... finally released a good mobile version. I, I think it's it's what do they say? June twenty twenty three. Long awaited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Unveiled recently. I know, unveiled. Right? I mean, it's literally part of the same article, but we all stopped at the senior product manager. Not below the fold. Exactly. Below the fold. So yeah, they previewed it in June, evidently, and they're aiming for late twenty three, early twenty four beta. So, yeah, I mean, right. that might be a way forward here. <laughs> that might be a way to supercharge things. I, I, I'd say about darn time. We might have to put the link of my uh, my hack that I, I worked on in 2008 or 2007 with uh, using your Mike Palm Trio to control a oh, yeah. uh, Active World yeah, instance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's still a very yeah. popular video on my feed. Crazy. <laughs> 
Well, well it's a good thing. Every time someone I mean, comments on and it. Second Life, of course, has for all of this time since what 2006 had legs. It's proving it's had legs all that time. <laughs> you know what else has legs now? Yeah, ants. Ants. That'd be that'd be a meta no. quest. If you're looking at yourself in a mirror, you can see that you have legs now. Or you're looking at someone else's avatar, and they've got legs. But if you look down at yourself, ain't no legs. <laughs> No legs. <laughs> you legless person. They they probably need a product manager. So yeah, because that would help prioritize that you know particular use case. I haven't it. tried this yet, um, but uh, you know they they we, we joked about it six months ago or so when they in fact last October so nearly a year, uh, no a year September last year. Um, so uh, yeah, it's been a year to to get that feature out, but uh, here it is. Well, it's about darn time. So we've got some other um, stuff to uh, queue up in the gaming space, um, but we're going to talk about it in yes. more depth next week. So make sure that you uh, set your your calendar and your podcatcher for one week from the day that you uh, this this po podcast is first released. One week from the day you listen to this podcast. Oh, so, so if you listen to this episode six years from now, wait, wait a, a week, week before you yeah, listen. You, to the next you're going to need a week just to prepare yourself <laughs> for this uh, awesome content. But uh, there's a, a really interesting NPR series on the business of gaming um, that uh, we're going to uh, have a, a conversation about and some fun-looking uh, games that are showing up on itch around. Uh, being games being used as a tech training venture. So this is really yeah. what I guess we've all been talking about for the longest time, the idea of using gaming technology to educate, learn, interact, you know, um, come together. So it's very cool. But, but that's only if we can coordinate it using messages over the next week. Because who knows? Right. That may be taken away from you. Well... So the next story we have on our list is one I've joked as well that um, this seems to come up every six to eight weeks um, where I sit here in the UK, which is that there is a piece of legislation currently under consideration uh, in the UK Parliament called the Online Safety Bill, which has some important thoughts behind it in terms of keeping especially young young people, vulnerable people safe online and encouraging uh, large tech companies to do more to, to enable that. But unfortunately, uh, as part of that, they think that it would be a great idea to uh, essentially disable end-to-end -end encryption and enable governments that we trust and like. End-to-end -end surveillance? Governments that, you know, <laughs> only, the, only the people we like and that we really trust to have access to our conversations. Right. And as a result, pretty much every messaging company vendor that especially those that are in, interested in end-to-end -end encryption and user data privacy uh is uh, threatening to pull out or pull all their products at least uh from ac access to uk consumers so michael and michael and i typically use imessage because we use a full end-to-end -end apple uh workflow for assembling our show and uh, imessage is great you know it's rich we can share links we can share snippets we I uh, can do group chats, all the kinds of things that you expect, but uh, I may not be able to use it in the future. Um, so Apple have suggested that they'll just make iMessage and FaceTime, they'll just switch them off for people in the UK, uh, which I don't blame them for, but it, it would be really annoying. Um, now, the other thing we've looked at this week is what 
to do, you do if you don't use iMessage or if you want to use iMessage but you can't use iMessage. Yeah. And and uh, it, it, before we dig into a couple of those samples, though, it, it, it drives me nuts because every time this topic comes up, right, there's there's a, a quick uh, outcry from the tech community of this is breaking into an encryption, which breaks everything, mm. right? Uh, finances, everything else on the web, uh, trust and security. Um, and... Everybody uh, seems to get that for a little while, and then they come right back at it with these same types of of proposed laws, uh, etc. So. I believe our government officials are claiming that companies are working on inserting this uh, ability for people in government to look at other people's messages right now. Uh, I can't believe that anybody is seriously considering uh, doing that in end-to-end -end encrypted environments like Signal, Telegram, iMessage, uh, or, or, or others. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very worrying. And I know that people, yeah. people are going to use stuff for bad stuff, and that happens in lots of different ways anyway. Yeah, but, but you, you've been playing around with, with a tool called Beeper, yes, I, I think, have right now. So Beeper is kind of like... So, so what's that? It's kind of like, well, we, we, we talked between ourselves about a, a, another tool called Adium, which we used to be kind of a desktop mm -hmm. app for... Back in the day? Yeah, back in the day for sort of integrating your IRC with your ICQ, with your with your SMS or whatever different messaging apps you had, Skype and others were in there. Beeper is kind of another run at that same idea. It's based on the Matrix technology. So Matrix is seen as the next generation version of IRC. So it's sort of a uh chat room type uh, technology where different organizations can host their own uh servers it's open or at least more open than something like discord um quite quite popular a lot of the apps for it are a little bit heavyweight because they tend to be built using big frameworks like electron but anyway uh beeper is essentially using matrix to bridge between different uh, messaging uh, apps. So, for example, I'm on the uh, beta version of Beeper, and I can run that on my desktop, or I can run that on my mobile devices. And within that, I can sign into WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, iMessage. Interestingly, which has been one that typically hasn't had uh, third-party access. I'm just uh, looking at my Beeper client now. I've got Discord. I can pin Discord servers that I'm interested in there. I've got Facebook Messenger, Instagram, LinkedIn messages. Um, all in in the one user uh, telegram. interface. Yep, Telegram's in there. I've got not Telegram. Uh, what's the what's the Facebook uh, tool? Threads. Threads. Well, no. So so Threads isn't. Well, I guess an argument there would be that Threads isn't a seen as isn't a messaging app. Uh, in the same way that I mean, they I suppose they could. There is no direct messaging in Threads right now, but these are primarily for peer to peer or group messaging. Um, and you have an inbox. You, you can, it can, it's got a few other nice, uh, which will only show you the sort of apps you've got unread. So rather than me having to tap around my screen to figure out which of my apps has got unread messages bubbles, it's, give, it's just one app. So I do like it. However, clearly it's doing the authentication to those services for me, and, and therefore I have to trust, you know, that the last mile um, of, of of the messaging there. Mm -hmm. And I'm aware of that. Um, 
it, it, it does it, it works quite nicely right now um i've been using it for a couple of weeks and i haven't found too many things that that have been problematic i think discord it's uh, and uh it is already is only in the sort of and, and i think slack i don't use it for slack but i don't really use slack but um, discord is kind of in their very alpha kind of uh segment of um, protocols they support but uh so it, it it you kind of need to go back to discord to do some things but uh certainly yeah iMessage, messenger whatsapp i uh use use it with I know it's not going to be for everyone, but it, it's interesting to play around with at the moment. And we've seen some other alternatives yeah, to my, this as well ourselves between us. Yeah. My, my, my reaction on Beeper was it immediately breaks the chain of trust end to end because it has to be that man in the middle. So, you know, if I were a government entity wanting to get this in, I would create an app called Beeper yeah. and I would sell it to right. people. <laughs> right. Problem solved. Now, I, I have access um, to this because yeah, I backed the... Uh, I got uh, the beeper. The, sorry, not the beeper. The beep berry, um, which is no longer called the beep berry due to trademark issues. It's now just called Beepy, but it's essentially a Raspberry Pi with a BlackBerry uh, keyboard and uh, lightweight LCD interface uh, screen. Um, so uh, I've been playing around with that, and that's uh, trying to come up but with a, a mobile version of this. So I guess messaging stack. Yeah, there, there, there was one app that that you had found tact uh, as a possible interesting app in this space well i think i came across tact because we were talking about oh no it's because i got somebody followed me i think on mastodon i came across tact but also we were talking about air message which was touted this week earlier mm -hmm. this week as you know finally android users can get access to my message and not feel the shame of the blue green bubble type thing um, so that that did the rounds a little bit this week, and I think we established that you still have to run AirMessage as a server side app on your Mac, and then it distributes that to on your, your Mac, so. to your Android apps. Yeah, but similarly, so Tact seems to take a different approach. It says, okay, well, you can use iCloud for storage of all of your data, um, so it's all Apple, uh, and it's it's kind of groupware, right? It, it doesn't have discovery. It's not universally. It's just for you and your friends, or just for you and your family. Yep. So I jokingly kind of said, well, you know, let's why don't we look at this? It's Apple based. It's uses iCloud. That's what we do um, for, for for sharing our documents and things. But then you uh, you went oh, ahead and you went ahead and then downloaded it. <laughs> well, I I got really close to downloading it. No, I did download it. I did download it, and I got ready to start it, and it immediately let me know the subscription rate. <laughs> well, so it turns out that you get three chats for free. Yes. Because that's all you ever need, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and and from a business model perspective, that that's a great idea, is getting people used to it. You know, you set one up for a small community, you know, like maybe a podcast team uh and then you say yeah this is kind of new. let me add another one for this other task over there next thing you know you're at four well i think and you're paying i think right? uh, I, I don't want to totally belittle the this particular app but tact because it clearly no, I, I, I think it's a solves good idea. problem for some people just, but it's, no, it's not, not for me not for our, us as a group i think in the end um but yeah um yeah, we haven't solved messaging. We keep having conversations through different channels in different places, and uh, there's no one one app to rule them all. Just as there wasn't when I was 
working with you or you all uh, in the same company and we were using multiple different yeah. chat channels. We had multiple so, chats there. Uh, <laughs> and it hasn't gotten any better. Right. Hadn't gotten right, any better right. now. Um, but but I was just I was just thinking um, as a quick peek behind the curtain, uh, go a couple of minutes long. Uh, you said we we all use iCloud and and it's it's so good. <laughs> so one of our latest features. So so we keep our show notes in uh, in a in a pages document that we share via iCloud. And we can all edit in real time while we're doing the show and throw in links that we want to talk about or ones that we don't have, et cetera. Um, and and, and uh, lately, it's been problematic. <laughs> and and by lately, I mean pretty much since the beginning. Well, it's certainly the last, I think the last or six months or so, there was that one moment uh, three or four months ago where I somehow managed to lose four months' worth of show notes. Um, <laughs> because evidently some version got reverted on my machine and then like delayed re sync or something. It was just, yeah, went haywire. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I remember, gosh, probably I'll date it 20 years ago, learning why Lotus notes at the time was so good. Cause it had replication, right. Mm. Um, versus but it would get these replication errors. And there was a whole discussion on one of the tech communities I was in at the time about the complexities of data replication, right? Um, and, you know, how commits work. Oh, yeah. And, you know, how things like Dropbox were so good because they were just whole file replications. And things like Notes, which are really powerful, were trying to do individual yeah. record mm, replications. Mm. And the complexity that that adds. And, and I, I just think about this Note document that we're talking yeah. about right now. It, it's replicating on different versions of operating systems and devices. Wow. Uh, sometimes. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's a 40-something meg document now. It's well, huge. I haven't looked at the size of it for a while, but that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, we lost... I've just gone scroll back, so, and we lost um, all the, the notes taken before the show, because obviously we published all the shows, and the notes are all on the blog. But And you should be coming and checking the blog every week to check out what we talked about. Visit all the links, but that's right. We lost, I think, five weeks worth of uh, show notes, which end up the, the notes we have in the pages doc end up, you know, being more than we typically talk about in the show because we miss things out, or we want, might want to then be able to go back and you know, we might have made a comment or left something in there um, for ourselves for, for reference. Um, and and if you if you our dear listeners want to add things into that document, you can drop us an email. Or go to our website, or hit us up on Mastodon. Um, all those different ways that you'd find out if you went to gamesatwork.biz and clicked on the About Us page. You might even find the hosts on other app platforms such as Blue Sky or Threads. Um, and if you can do that, yeah. then feel free to, to to post us links, and we will take a look and see uh, uh, see what we we can share. So yeah. Uh, we got one more thing, I think, uh, in here, Michael, that we haven't talked about, but you found and were oh. interested in uh, <laughs> just past the, under the fold here. And uh, I think we both yeah. saw it via some Apple related podcasts. I think I may have seen it. Yeah, I can't remember which it was either one. Either Twitter, Macworld, <laughs> or MacBreak, or something like that. And this is this yeah. LG Go, right? The LG TV Go. Stand by me, yeah. go. And stand by me, go. And it, it's it's a twenty-seven inch monitor in a briefcase in a 
briefcase. Now, I actually looked at this. I think I may have seen somebody like Leo Laporte or somebody mention it somewhere. And I clicked on it and thought, I'm going camping soon. This looks ideal. Um, maybe going camping <laughs> would, uh, you know, maybe. An expensive camping. Well, trip. maybe, yeah, it would be. Uh, I was also thinking, well, actually, maybe I should just get one of those little capsule projectors. But then where am I going to put the, the screen for projecting into and stuff like that? Just so bring your laptop. And then the two what of if you it rains? Yeah, exactly. In a tent, it's plenty. Well, of room. exactly. I mean, you know, <laughs> we've used iPads and things in the last few years when we we've, we've camped and it's been possible. But uh, yeah, this one is interesting. Also, we have LG and we have an LG TV as our main living room TV at the moment with the uh, WebOS. So I was curious again to see this one come up. So you, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting concept. It's just I think that there, for a business use, almost every place you go to now has some kind of projector or screen that you can hit. Whether it's an Apple TV or Chromecast or or just a, a TV with an HDMI port that you plug into, right? Well, um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, I looking at this and it's a 1080p display, right? So it's really not that high res compared yeah. to a retina on an iPad or something like that, and. It's thirty pounds. Thirty pounds in weight, which is that. That's that's fifty percent heavier than my first laptop. It's. It just doesn't. I don't know what what it's for. <laughs> What's it for, Michael? Why? Why? Why did it? Why did my first instinct it's, go? Oh, I must look at this before realizing it has got that kind of cool swivel portrait swivel thing where it kind of can yeah. rise out and be swiveled up. But I don't get it. I don't get it. But why? I don't get it. It's got a three-hour <laughs> battery life. So you're not going to watch, like, the entire Lord of the Rings. Dune. You know, all Dune or whatever. Yeah. You're not going to watch the entire ep single movie of a Lord of the Rings Right, movie. you're right. You're right. So, yeah. Because those are four-hour pops on the extended edition. <laughs> I did see another anyway. thing today, which was a new Philips portable monitor. Or, which I think was a 16-inch, which was being touted as a as a nice, you know, take to the coffee shop and double the double your desktop space for your your MacBook, and that looked quite nice. But it also looked relatively high price compared to some of the others on the market. So, I've actually seen somebody at uh, uh, Bean Traders have one of those dual monitors that you attach to your laptop, right? Oh yeah. So it's like a like a. D and D uh, Dungeon Master screen. Yeah, but you tack it onto the back of your laptop, so you have three screens. Yeah, and 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 they told me the price, and I was like, "Why? Yeah, why did you buy that? They're flimsy I, looking, and it I, looks I, makes your laptop top." I heavy. have got I have got um, a, a couple of portable displays that I typically use um, for my gadgets um, if I'm doing a show or something like that. And I certainly used one when I first had to start working from home, and I only had one screen initially, um, and I used one as a permanent second screen, but that burned out fairly fast because obviously it was <laughs> intended as a portable display and not a always on attached to desktop PC uh display but yeah. um yeah anyway we've gone over a little bit here and uh it's been fun catching up and seeing what's new in the in the market and then next week we're gonna do a bit of a deeper dive on the business of gaming uh with the npr series absolutely uh but in sounds great till then if you want to let us know what your 
getting interested on, in online, do uh, post us a link somewhere on the interwebs and we will take a look and maybe share our thoughts another time. But in the meantime, I think we're done here. See ya. See ya. You've been listening to gamesatwork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz. Mm-hmm.